Let's do it. And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, Major Junior. Hey, Connor McDavid of the Erie Otters. Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds. I'm Jonathan Yerudo from the St. John's Sea Dogs. I'm Braden Holpe for the Saskatoon Blades. The Gabriel Landeskog. I'm playing for the Kitchen Rangers. Hi, this is Sean Couturier from the Drummondville Voltager. Carter Hart of the Everett Silvertips. This is Taylor Hall of the Windsor Spitfire. Nathan McKinnon from the Halifax Moosehead. NCAA. Hey, it's Jack Eichel. I play at Boston University. It's Alex Turcott. Hey, it's Kale McCarve. Hey, this is Jack Drury. Hey, it's Kyle Connor. Hi, this is Ian Mitchell of the Denver University Pioneers. It's Morgan Barron from Cornell University. Quinn Hughes from the University of Michigan. Hello, this is uh, Jerry York, the coach at Boston College. The World Juniors. My name is Andres Fischko from uh, Team Russia. Hey, it's Joel Farabee from Team USA. It's Norris Sider from Germany. I'm Philip Roberg of the Team Sweden. It's Ellie Paul Lennon. Hey, it's Nikola Ehlers. It's Matt Sogard. Hi, it's Timo Meyer. Hi, this is Jordan Edwards of Team Canada. The NHL Draft. This is Alexis Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic. Hi, Scott and Bicep from the Sudbury Wolves. Connor Zeri from the Camelot Blazers. I'm Alexander Holtz. I'm Lucas Freeman. Cole Perfetti of the Saginaw Spirit. Dylan Holler from the Wisconsin Badgers. Hey, it's Jake Sampson. I play for Team USA. Brayden Schneider, Caden Dooley. Here's Marco Rossi. I'm from the other sounds. And more. Excellent! This is the Pipeline Show. This week on the Pipeline Show, we'll speak with an independent scout who will give us his perspective and some insight on some 2021 draft eligible players and of course we turn on the 2021 draft spotlight three times on this week's episode we'll get to know another trio of players who hope to have their names called out on draft day welcome to the pipeline show everybody my name is Gee flaming i want to thank all the returning listeners for coming back for more if you are a newcomer to the program then welcome aboard i hope that you'll be uh, a returning listener as well moving forward. And, of course, a special thank you to all the patrons at patreon.com slash show. Those of you who have uh, signed up and are, are giving some support uh, monthly, I really, really appreciate it. And I hope you're uh, making good use of your early access and uh, you get the advance notice of who's coming up on the show and submitting questions for the guests, all of that. I hope you're uh, making full use of all your perks that you get for being a patron of the Pipeline Show. I'll tell you who those guests are a little bit uh, later on in this opening segment. Of course, they'll all join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. The tap room is, once again, it's open in Red Deer. As, uh, I'm, wherever you're coming uh, and listening to the show from, wherever you live, not sure what the situation is because it's different everywhere, but things are starting to open up here in Alberta. As the uh, the provincial government, well, you either agree with it or you don't, but a lot of people will be happy that uh, things are opening up again. As uh, vaccinations, a lot of people are, have at least their first vaccination. I'm actually scheduled to get my second shot uh, on Sunday, as a matter of fact, so looking forward to that. And uh, sounds like the province is going to have everything completely open and no restriction whatsoever. That's the target for July, so... I know there are a lot of people who are uh, a little concerned by that, and uh, I certainly understand that. Knock on wood, and uh, as long as everybody's getting vaccinated, hopefully things aren't uh, happening too quickly here in the the province. But it's good news for those who want to get to the tap room in Red Deer at the the Troubled Monk uh, Brewery because they are back open. They do still have, obviously, the health restrictions in place, but you can actually get in and enjoy some uh, beer on tap. I got my uh, latest shipment last week, and uh, the first one that I cracked open, 
It's got the checkerboard label on it. It's called Hell's Bells. It was fantastic. It's the first time I'd uh, tried that one. It's one of their seasonals, so it uh, it's not around all the time. And in fact, I'm looking at their website right now, and it's gone already. You might uh, be able to get some if you ask, though. Uh, but I, I really recommend it. I hope they bring that one back because it was great. Troubledmonk.com. Beverages worth sharing. And I say beverages because it's not just beer. They've got some spirits. They've got some soda as well. The uh, Troubled Tea, its original uh, hard iced tea. Adequate vodka, soda, lime. Lemon lime flavor. It's all great stuff. Really, uh, it's, it's one of the uh, partnerships that I've had on the Pipeline Show that I really, really enjoy. All right, let's get to some news and notes, as there's been a lot of news here over the last uh, week or so. Uh, We'll start in the CHL, and we'll work uh, our way from the west to the east. And uh, lots of news here in the Western Hockey League. Uh, The draft lottery for the import draft was just done earlier today. The Everett Silvertips will have the first pick in the import draft from the WHL-based teams. Of course, the Dub and the OHL and the Q, they all get lumped together, and then they... uh, each pick, they alternate back and forth between each league, uh, but it will be Everett who picks first for the uh, WHL. Peyton Krebs was named the Player of the Year. Uh, not a surprise there. Uh, Rookie of the Year, also not a surprise. Connor Bedard, what a season he had. Even though he only played 15 games, he had 28 points, and I was looking it up. There were a number of rookies who had strong years. A few of them had like a point per game. They played 20, 22, 23 games, but they were all well behind Bedard in scoring, even though he played nine, eight, seven fewer games than those guys. So really, really impressive season uh, for Connor Bedard. It's uh, rare that uh, some guys will live up to expectations, even rare that they exceed them. Uh, and Bedard did that in a what has to have been a very, very uh, narrow and tight decision. Uh, Dustin Wolf named uh, the CH or the WHL goaltender of the year. You'd have to think Sebastian Kosa was right there as well as there were hairs of a difference here, splitting hairs, uh, trying to select a winner there. Either one of those guys could have been named, but Wolf with uh, more wins. That's probably the one that decided it. He played a couple more games though as well. But uh, congratulations to all the award winners. Oh, and uh, Braden Schneider was uh, named the defenseman of the year. Ethan Peters from the Oil Kings was the Scholastic Player of the Year. Some coach news. As uh, Kyle Gustafson, he was the assistant GM and uh, an associate coach for the Portland Winterhawks. Well, he's moved on to the Vancouver Canucks. So right from the WHL to the bench of uh, the NHL's Vancouver Canucks. Uh, So uh, you have to think Portland is looking for uh, a new addition to their uh, front office. The Red Deer Rebels have named uh, Steve Konowalczyk as their new head coach to replace Brent Sutter in that role. Sutter, of course, still the owner, GM, president, all those other things. Uh, but uh, Steve Konowalczyk back in the WHL. He was the head coach for the Seattle Thunderbirds in the past. Uh, sticking in uh, the WHL, Mike Fraser has been promoted from Silvertips head scout to director of player personnel. Mike Fraser's a guy I've uh, seen a lot he, as uh, he was living in this area. I uh, saw him around uh, the rink at Oil King Games all the time. Worked for a long time with the uh, Brandon Wheat Kings uh, and then uh, got a new position with the Everett Silvertips. So good to see him moving up. Big addition to the Calgary Hitmen as they named former Everett Silvertips general manager Gary Davidson as their new director of player personnel. So that's another really good hockey mind going into the uh, Calgary Hitmen organization. And how about some trades, too, this week in in the WHL as 
probably the biggest name that's been moved is uh, that of Jesper Wallstad, who his rights were held by the Moose Jaw Warriors. Well, they traded him to the Portland Winterhawks for a sixth round pick. Now, Wallstad played, he's draft eligible this year. He's expected to be the first goaltender taken in the 2021 NHL draft. Played professionally in Sweden last year. Not sure what his contract situation is. I reached out to his agent. I didn't get a, a response in time uh, for this recording. But you'd have to think, on the surface, for me, uh, from uh, I would think that the player was is probably going to play another year in Sweden professionally. Uh, and that would indicate why it's only a sixth-round pick. Because if he was coming, he's you got to be thinking he's a first- or a second-round pick going to Moose Jaw. But who knows? Maybe this is, uh, you know, if I'm not sure what his contract situation is, but if he's looking for a new deal in, in Sweden, uh, maybe this is some leverage from his uh, perspective. We'll see how that plays out. If he was to come over, boy, that's uh, a huge get for the Portland Winterhawks. A couple of trades involving the Lethbridge Hurricanes. Uh, Nolan Bentham goes from Victoria to the Hurricanes for Chase LaPinta and three draft picks, including a second, but not until 2024. So way down the road there. Uh, Carl Tedichek, the goaltender in Lethbridge, no longer in Lethbridge. He's now with the Moose Jaw Warriors, a seventh-round pick going there. So uh, lots of news out of the Western Hockey League this week. Of course, the uh, the big news out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League last weekend is the Victoriaville Tigre are the champions of the uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. They won the President's Cup with a uh, four-game-to-two series victory over Valdor. Uh, unfortunately, the... Shine quickly coming off the uh, the celebration as uh, two players have been well they haven't been officially charged yet but allegations uh, against two of the Tigre players uh, for sexual assault uh, obviously the players haven't been named the victim or victims I don't know what the situation is uh, but that hasn't been named either but apparently it was that night after they'd won the championship obviously some sort of celebration and uh, it gets out of hand and can't pass judgment because we don't know the whole story. But uh, that is the headline. Uh, sexual assault allegations made against two T-Gray players. I uh, hope the best for the victim in that situation. In the Ontario Hockey League, the uh, OHL priority selection was held. And uh, the Sudbury Wolves had the first overall pick. And I, I, the the uh, player they took is Quentin Musty. Sounds like he's going to be a great player. They they actually announced it a, a day or two before the actual draft. I don't understand why that happens. They had him like they had promo videos of him already in the equipment and stuff. So obviously this is not a it wasn't a surprise pick or surprise selection at all. I just don't understand why it's announced you know a day or two before the actual draft. I'm sure there's a reason and I'm sure it's a legit one. I just don't know what it is. So after the musty pick, I guess the big news of the day was the. A selection in the 14th round, 267th overall, Atea Curry, uh, the first female player to have been drafted into the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, huge news, obviously. Shannon Zabados and Manon Rayom both contacting Atea Curry, congratulating her. It's a, it's a huge moment for this young lady and uh, for all female hockey players in Canada who are looking and saying, do we have a shot and uh, can we play major junior hockey? Keep in mind, Shannon Zabados did actually dress for the Tri-City Americans. in a. It was a single game. I think she came in in relief. But still, this is almost 20 years ago when Shannon did it. And it's taken this long for uh, a female player to have been drafted into the league. So it doesn't happen very often. Uh, it's uh, 
it will be really intriguing to see where it goes from here. Keep in mind that she's a 14th round pick, 267th overall. She's not big. So if you're looking at it strictly from a hockey perspective, then I know we all want to get excited and believe she's the next big thing. And I'm not trying to downplay. I've never seen her play. But I believe I saw her listed at 5'7". I'm just going to pull that up quickly. Yes, 5'7 and 143 pounds. That's according to Elite Prospects. So take the gender out of the conversation for a second. A 5'7", 143-ish pound goaltender taken in the 14th round. Let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, And also, you look at the Sarnia Sting. They've got a couple of goaltenders still with eligibility on their roster. Ethan Langevin is going to be a 20-year-old in the season next year. Maybe he's not around. He's only 5'10", so he's not the biggest guy in the world either. But uh, Benjamin Goudreau, who is draft eligible this year, he's the starter there. So does Taya Curry come in and get a backup position? Does she come to camp? I don't know how many other goaltenders are in Sarnia's organization that she would have to beat out to be the backup goaltender. I don't know. You also have to wonder, all right, if she signs with Sarnia and she plays a little bit, She's going to get a year of scholarship out of that, but maybe there's more opportunity for her to play college hockey. It wouldn't be with the men, obviously. At least I don't think it would be. Maybe that could happen. But I often wonder with Shannon Zabados, if she had to do it all over again, maybe I should ask to try to get Shannon on the show. But, you know, she played the one game in Tri-City, and then she played a, a whole ton in the Alberta Junior Hockey League and the ACAC here in the Edmonton area. And then obviously a ton for for Hockey Canada, won a, a bunch of international uh, championships. But having played for Tri-City also meant that she wasn't going the college route. And I wonder if that might be a draw for, for Taya Curry. I don't know. Um, you know, I could get Shannon on the show. I could try to get uh, Taya on the show to ask that question. But um, it's, a, it's a great story that she was drafted. Obviously, that's fantastic. That should be celebrated. But let's keep in mind that uh, it's it's still really hard to make a a major junior hockey league roster, and we're talking about a five foot seven, 145 pound goaltender. She's made it this far. That's fantastic. Let's see if she can keep going. It's easy. It's an easy story to cheer for. I'm certainly not trying to cheer against her by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, news out of the MJHL this past week, as well as the uh, Nipua Natives. Well, they changed their name, and uh, for all the right reasons, uh, they are now called the Nipua Titans. And they unveiled their uh, their new logo and their new uniforms. They look fantastic. So uh, congratulations to uh, to that team. You wonder how many more teams will follow suit and, and uh, continue down that path. I think it's uh, it's probably the right thing to do. Uh, you look at the Portland Winterhawks, you're kind of transitioning away from their classic uh, Chicago Blackhawks style uh, chest logo. Uh, they're going with the stylized P a lot more. P for Portland. I knew the I know the Moose Jaw Warriors are also they've had a, a Moosehead alternate logo. I might see that start being used more and more. And I know people would look at the Spokane Chiefs, but I believe the Chiefs have a, a really strong relationship with the First Nations and Indigenous population in that area, and there might be some sort of partnership there. Actually, uh, I don't know the full details on that, but I believe that's what I've been told in the past. But you can always let me know what you think of. The name changes in that regard as well. We saw it even with the CFL club here in Edmonton, no longer the Edmonton Eskimos, now named the Edmonton Elks. And before you text me and say that the Elks is uh, the plural of elk is elk, um, it's actually, they they checked it out, and Elks is correct, which I didn't know. I thought uh, what most people thought was that the plural of elk 
is elk, like moose is moose. Apparently not the case. All right, let's continue on with the uh, news and notes. Also making news this week, in fact, just today from the USHL is a new commissioner there, Bill Robertson, who was the commissioner of the WCHA conference in the NCAA. Uh, He is uh, moving over to uh, replace Tom Garrity as the uh, new commissioner for the United States Hockey League. And uh, Robertson's position came uh, up because the WCHA is no more. And if you go to collegehockeynews.com and you hover your cursor over the team's uh, part of the toolbar, it brings up all the uh, the new conference uh, structure. And you'll see the CCHA there now. And added is St. Thomas. And you can see in the independent section, Alaska, Arizona, and Long Island. So uh, great for College Hockey News to have uh, the new conference alignments revealed and showing on their page as the WCHA is no more. Before I get to the guest list, uh, let me remind you that the Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is home of Alberta's best beef jerky. you got to get your jerky on. Two locations in Alberta, one in Leduc, one in Spruce Grove, and Wilhock takes orders of any size. You can call them. I'll give you the numbers quickly in Leduc. It's 780-986-2537. You can ask for Trent. And in Spruce Grove, it's 780-571-571. 1515, and it's uh, Trevor in Spruce Grove. I always go to Spruce Grove because it's closer to where I live, but uh, I have been to the Leduc location. Doesn't matter which one you go to, it is the best beef jerky you've ever had. I actually went uh, to Spruce Grove a couple of days ago and picked up, I think it was four pounds, and by God, a pair of two pound bags. One of them gone already. I can't even get mad at the family. I, selfishly, I was like, where did it all go? But if you've had it, you understand why it uh, disappears so quickly. It is absolutely delicious, fantastic. WilhockBeefJerky.com. Wilhock is spelled W-I-L-H-A-U-K. BeefJerky.com. I told you off the top, uh, we'll lead things off this week with an independent scout. His name is Ross McLean from McLean Hockey and formerly with International Scouting Service and uh, Hockey Canada as well. But you've heard Ross on the program many times over the years. Always a great guest. I really value his insight and his opinion on a lot of players. No surprise, but he knocks it out of the park again today as we talk about a bunch of players eligible for the 2021 NHL Draft. Speaking of that, we'll turn the 2021 NHL Draft spotlight on and we'll keep it on for three consecutive segments. Uh, We'll speak with Brennan Othman from the Flint Firebirds. He is ranked number eight overall in North America by NHL Central Scouting. Didn't play for Flint this year, but he went overseas, played in Switzerland, came back, helped Canada win a gold medal at the World U18. From that conversation, we'll chat with Liam Gilmartin, who played for the U.S. National Development Program the last couple of seasons. But next year, he is going to the CHL, playing for the London Knights in the Ontario Hockey League. He'll tell you, we'll get to know him, and he'll tell you why the Knights uh, became the team of his choice and a little bit about how challenging it was to actually get in touch with London and uh, have those conversations, uh, thanks to USA Hockey. We will uh, wrap up this week's show with a, another draft-eligible player, this time out of the Western Hockey League, uh, slotted to go probably fairly early in round number two. His name is Connor Roulette. We'll spin the wheel and get to know Connor Roulette of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Also played for Canada down in Texas at the World U18, came home with some golden hardware. So, Really, really good show lined up for you today. 
Ross McLean's going to lead things off. But uh, before we get there, remind you that Pro Stock Hockey is your online source for authentic Pro Stock Hockey equipment, whether it's sticks or gloves, all the rest. You can get tape with your orders, all of those things. And I just saw they tweeted out today, they have new Sherwood Overstock player gloves that have been added to their inventory, several different models and color schemes. You can find your perfect fit. Shop now at ProStockHockey.com. Ross McLean, Independent Scout, is up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. And Raymond stays with him, Lafreniere pokes it ahead, still has it. Rolling puck, Lafreniere works it, shoots, scores! What a goal by Alexi Lafreniere! A superstar in the making! This is Alexi Lafreniere of the Rimouski Oceanic, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Bruce Grove St. AJHL Hockey is back for the 2020-2021 season. Due to the ongoing pandemic, the attendance is limited at the Grant Fear Arena in Spruce Grove. You can follow along across social media at SG Saints and support the Saints by heading to sprucegrovesaints.ca and purchasing your Cash's King tickets today. Over $33,000 in prizes to be given away. Again, head to sprucegrovesaints.ca for more information. The Spruce Grove Saints, proud supporters of the Pipeline Show. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Ooh, that's a bingo. Hey, we're back on the Pipeline Show. Let's begin this week's episode. Uh, we'll look at some prospects of some players who are eligible for the 2021 NHL draft uh, through the eyes of a scout, uh, Ross McLean, independent scout, free agent scout. Uh, welcome back to the show, Ross. How are things? Things are great. Thanks for having me again. A pleasure to get a chance to speak with you. I always value your opinion on guys um, because you have a a, a way of uh, explaining the differences between players in a way that uh, makes it easy for uh, lay people like myself to, to follow along. So I appreciate it when you make time for the show. Let's get right to it. This year's draft, because of all the COVID stuff, it, it's it's seems like it's been very difficult to, you know, compared to most years because viewings have been much more limited than uh, in, in a regular season. This year, is there a clear-cut number one guy in your opinion? Yeah, well, I mean, just to touch on your first statement there, it has been a crazy year. And, uh, you know, not being able to be in, in the rinks as much, not being able to travel around and see these guys, it's been a real heavy focus on video this year, which, you know, is great. And we have more resources than we ever had as scouts to to use that but you know there are obviously some nuances with video there's a lot of stuff you want to look behind the play and the camera seems to follow the puck all the time so mm-hmm. uh you, you can get a good it's really good for identifying skill it's really hard to kind of get a full read on guys with just video but uh you know that's kind of where we're at and we were lucky that we got to see some of these guys at some of these international competitions late in the year and, and to me really that's kind of where a couple of guys uh separated themselves i think owen powers play at the world championships Proved to everybody that you know he he really should be the 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 considered number one prospect in this particular draft. He's just so smooth, uh, just such a, a, an effortless stride uh, getting around the ice. His ability to kind of move into the play and and, and be a factor all over the ice. Uh, and uh, you know standing out against uh, players that he he could be fighting for jobs with and and really leaving no doubt. And, you know, I think his play there uh, absolutely left no question, in my mind at least, and I think in the mind of many others, that, that he's 
right now head and shoulders above uh, everybody else. So is that a case of all right? His performance at the at the uh, the World Championships cemented his spot as number one, or was it like going into it? All right, it's still kind of wide open. Let's see what happens here, and then he earned it there. Yeah, you know, I really think there's there's seven or eight guys in this draft that, depending on you know what your what your thoughts were and and where you saw them and and when that that could have fit into that that fit into that that spot. But uh, you know, his play there was definitely just beyond reassuring. It was whoa, this this kid's actually already there. Yeah. He could step into an NHL lineup and play right away and that's you know when you want it we've taken a first overall pick you know that's typically in the recent years you, you want that you want somebody that's going to be able to come in but you want somebody that still has room for growth and and development potential and you know that's the scary thing about him is that that he still does there's still he's still going to get bigger and stronger which is crazy because he's he's massive he's a man and uh you know when you when you see that type of thing and and you gauge that already with he, he has this ability to play well that makes a really, really appealing and projectable pick. And, you know, so at first overall there, you always want to try and hit that home run. And in a draft like this, that's just kind of all over the place. Uh, he's a really, really safe bet there, but also one that you can be pretty pretty sure that he's going to be able to step into the lineup and, and be able to play major minutes right away. And, you know, it's one of those years where for him playing in the NCAAs, he doesn't get quite as much the exposure that he would to maybe, you know, your, your stereotypical development and draft pathways. But, you know, that's, that's, again, that's another league where, where most of the players in that league are men, you know, they're, they're 22, 23, 24 years old sometimes. And, and here's a guy who put up really good numbers, looks really, really good in all the games that I watched from there. And then to step over into the world championships and, you know, start as basically a eighth defenseman. And by the end of it, he was their number one, almost uh, you could argue. So, all of those things combined just, you know, kind of really get you excited about this guy and what, what, what he could do for a team that needs a player like that right away. Could he be like at the level of, a, say, a Chris Pronger? Or is that really setting the bar too high uh, for a guy like that? And should we be happy with, I don't know, Colton Pareko or something like that? Well, you know, there's 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 obviously a lot of differences in the game that he, he plays. You know, it was the same thing when, when Victor Hedman came into the league, everybody was talking about how he was you know, more like a, a Chris Pronger and, and, you know, Victor Hedman at the time really played more like a Nick Lidstrom. Uh, and it's a similar type of thing with, with Owen Power. I I always like to describe Owen Power as kind of a cross in style between an Aaron Ekblad and a, and a Victor Hedman. Okay. And it's hard not to compare elite level defensemen to Victor Hedman, uh, you know, just with Victor Hedman standing out so much, kind of almost having changed the way defense was played here, especially for big men in the last, you know, 10 years or so. So, uh, you know, I, I don't like the the comparisons or, or to try and say, you know, he, he could be Chris Brown because he plays a very, very different game, very different game. It's a very different style of game that's being played now that defensemen need to, need to, uh, you know, change their style for and, and, and be able to excel at. So he is a new age defenseman. Um, you know, he covers the ice well, he skates the game well, he activates into the rush a lot more. He's not your, you know, box out type guy around the net. He's more about stick placement than body positioning. So, you know, again, that's kind of where I get that Ekblad, Victor Hedman type style uh, of comparison. But, you know, the, the Colton Pareko is a nice one too, because you could look at that and say, hey, here's a here's a measuring stick where he's he's somewhere in there. He And, you know, all of those are, are pretty good options. Now, when you're talking about first overall, yeah. you're definitely looking for more of a Victor Hedman. But, 
you know, if the worst thing you get is a Colton Pareko, I think most teams are going to be pretty okay with with that uh, floor and ceiling. I would think so. Um, when it comes to the Euros this year, and you know, we didn't get to see a whole lot of them, a little bit at the U18, but when it comes to the Swedes, it, it looks like a really good year again for for Swedish players, and there's it seems to be interchangeable for a lot of people. Um, is there a clear-cut number one guy out of Sweden for you this year? Yeah, for me, the clear-cut number guy, and to me, he's my clear-cut number two overall, is Simon Edmondson. And, you know, again, a big, rangy defenseman. The key here is potential. Again, looking at Owen Power and, and his type of skill set, when we talk about Simon Edmondson, he's more of a cross between a Brent Burns and a Victor Hedman. Hmm. Again, very similar in styles and the way that he plays the game and thinks the game jumps up a little bit more aggressively in the neutral zone. Uh, but still has an absolute ton of physical development left to do. And it's scary how well this kid thinks the game, what he can do. Uh, and then to say, oh, he's going to grow some more and get stronger and, you know, be able to do even more of that. It, it, it's hard to pass up. Now he's, he's less of a sure bet. You know, he's not really a guy. I don't think that could step into the league next year and, and be as impactful as saying a one power could be. But in five years, we could be looking at these two saying, you know, how did you take one over the other? How did how did anybody you know come up with with those conclusions? So the, the potential with him is off the charts. Uh, really, really exciting player. Loved him at U18s. Loved him when I saw him play in, in video in the in the men's league and in Sweden. He always stands out. He's always just in the right place and timing everything extremely well. And, you know, these are really, really great characteristics of, you know, the really elite defensemen. You look at the guys nominated for the North and, and what it is that kind of separates those guys. And, you know, your Kale McCars, your Adam Fox as well. And it's their, their sense of timing, their ability to just kind of show up at the right time or to create time when they need to. And he's got that. So, you know, to me, again, he's, he's kind of that right there at number two for me. Um, I was kind of bandying back and forth between him and Owen Power really until the world championships and seeing Owen Power at that level uh, and just getting better at every single game uh, to me separated those two. But, but Edvinson to me is the number one guy out of Europe for sure. Interesting. I know essential scouting has William Eklund uh, at number one. Is there a big gap in your mind between he and Edvinson and you have Ed Edvinson ahead of him? Well, you know, again, you've got a, you've got a comparison there between a forward and, and a defenseman. I would, I, uh, to me, it's clear cut in my mind who I would rather devote a, you know, full-time development to. Uh, Eklund is, you know, he's proven that he can score at the men's league level. He had, he did really, really well at, at the, in the highest league in, in Sweden and, uh, you know, put up some good numbers, was scoring goals, uh, was playing on the power play. And when you see guys that are able to do that and excel at that, young of an age in a league like that, which is a very, very strong league. Uh, it, it makes you feel a little bit more comfortable with that player. And I think that's one of the main things here is when you're starting to look at some players that have development potential versus some players that are showing their potential already, that's the really hard part to try and navigate which one long-term is going to be the best choice. Now, do I think you can really go wrong either way there? No, I think that's probably going to fall more towards sort of team need and, 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 you know, what they, what they want to build. Um, it's hard to pass up on players like Eklund that, you know, could probably be in your lineup within two to three years and are going to continue to prove that they can, put up points we've seen some guys from that league in the last couple of years young guys uh that have been putting up points and they come over to the nhl and it translates really really well you look at your you know alias petersons and, and players like all, along those lines that uh are, are you know really able to make a difference and make an impact at the nhl level really quick so 
there's another player. Again, he can play in the middle. He can play on the outside. Very dynamic, but his ability to produce, uh, you know, makes him very, very appealing. So, again, when you're looking at it from a overall development potential perspective, I still think Edmondson's a guy. When you start looking at it from trying to predict how the draft could go, that's where things can get, you know, really complicated. And, you know, looking at number two overall at Seattle, they're an extreme wild card because we don't know what they look like. We don't know what their roster is going to, uh, going to move towards. So that's, uh, that's going to be one of the really interesting parts of the first, especially first 10 picks of this draft. I think after that, you'll probably be able to start to kind of have a better idea, but this is also going to be a draft where the second and third rounds are just unbelievably interesting as well. So, uh, Ross McLean, independent scout, my guest here on the Pipeline Show. Uh, every year leading up to the draft, we hear phrases like uh, recency bias and uh, uh, small sample sizes, and they're kind of warnings where you don't want to get caught in those kinds of traps. When I have a situation like this year where a lot of guys didn't play or, you know, or played very, very sparingly, and then you have the U18, and a guy like Mason McTavish has a fantastic tournament. Um, he played a little bit overseas, but other than that, it's small sample size and recency bias. He's suddenly number two on central scouting's list. That surprised me a little bit, considering everybody else seemed to have him in the you know middle of the first round. Uh, what do you make of Mason McTavish, and should he be considered that high, in your opinion? I don't have a problem with him being considered that high. You know, to me, he's a top ten prospect for sure. He's just so gutsy. He's such a courageous player. He wants to win every single shift. You know, we watch him at U18s, and he was a man amongst boys there. Like he could turn a game with almost his emotions. He would just go out and would just play hard and would turn teams onto their heels. And, you know, to have a guy like that on your team, teams are figuring out and, you know, scouts are really figuring out that it's not just always about technical skill. There's a character element to it. And one of the things about Mason McTavish that is obvious is that he's a high character player. Teammates love him. Uh, you know, he, he he's very mature for his age. Um, and he's got that, technical skill package as well that goes. I mean, he's just a kid that plays hard. He's hard to move. He goes to the hard areas. He's not afraid to do battle with anybody. And I think, you know, in, in especially now where we're, you know, evaluating particular players and, and everyone's going through the skill, the skill, the skill, the skill, when you start to get a player that kind of shows that level of heart and that level of battle um, and has very, very good skills as well. And especially while the NHL playoffs are going on and the end of the regular season is going on around the same time and you can compare a player like that to maybe holes in very, very good teams where they don't have a player like that. And you understand how valuable a player like that can be, even though they might not blow you away right away with their skills. Uh, and that's not to say Mason McTavish's skills aren't mind blowing, but you know, there, there's certainly other players that are a lot more flashy that, that, that jump out. What, what really stands out for him is that he's, he's got the, he's got that confidence that, you know, that gutsy play, as I was mentioning. So, you know, to me, I, I have him kind of slotted sort of somewhere between six and 10. Um, but again, you know, you put him in that spot at, at number two for North American skaters. Am I, do I have a problem with that? No, I think he, I think he earned that in terms of his play. Like he was a game breaker. He was a real difference maker uh, during that event. And what's not to like, I mean, what do you have? 29 goals as a rookie last year in the OHL, 42 points, only 31 minutes. Yet he plays that agitating style of game too, where he's, he's physical, he's tenacious. And most guys who play that way do drop penalties. He was able to do that without taking and hurting his team. 
he's really good. He's got that responsible nature to him. Like, again, I talked about that maturity. He, he knows when, where the line is for the most part, you know, every now and then he may just decide, okay, well, I'm going to bring a little more energy to the situation than it calls for. But he's one of those guys as a coach, you can really trust. And again, you know, there's a lot of scouts that are former coaches or have coaching backgrounds and that stuff stands out. When you start to see a player that you can trust, it's real. You realize as you're going through the levels, how hard that is sometimes. And when you have a player that plays like that, that you can also trust again, that's extremely valuable. So it doesn't surprise me at all that there, that there's more, more noise around him right now. And uh, I, I think it's justified. I think he's a, he's definitely a top 10 talent. And I think whoever gets him is going to get, you know, a type of player that's going to bring some leadership and character uh, and, a, and a really good culture to, to the dressing room. What are your thoughts on Dylan Gunther? He uh, led the WHL in, in points per game this year. He had uh, 24 points in 12 games. So 2.0 points per game um, is his production at the U18 was, I mean, he was a point per game guy, but, you know, I think there were four or five, maybe even more scores ahead of him just on Canada's roster. So it was a good tournament, not a great tournament. Um, but what do you make of Gunther? Well, Gunther's probably one of the best pure scorers available in this draft. I mean, he's a, he's a shoot first mentality guy, very, very high tendency shooter, right shot player, plays on his off wing, has a great release, can take the puck to the net, good hands around the net. I think the big knock on him and what people were finding is those guys that are really shoot first. Uh, you know, it was a similar thing with Cole Caulfield in his his draft year was that there's a fear that they're going to continue to be a little too one-dimensional at the next level. And I'm not saying at all that, that Gunther's a one-dimensional player because, you know, when even if he is, that if that one dimension is putting pucks in the back of the net, I, you know, I think most people are okay with that dimension. Um, but they're, they're, they're usually some of the hardest players to find, those guys that can really think about that shot before every, everything else and shoot from everywhere and surprise goaltenders. The way goaltenders are being trained now, those players are even more important because of the, the, the different positioning nuances that goaltenders go in instead of save selection. And he's a guy, again, that I think you got to look at the full body of work. If you just looked at him from the U18s, I don't want to say it was disappointing, but there was so much hype. You know, there's people saying he could be, he could be considered for first overall in the draft. And, and when you watch him and he was more of a complimentary offensive player um, at that event to younger players. Now, mind you, those younger players are unbelievable. Yeah. You can get a little bit of the, a little bit of the glow washed off you. And, you know, I, I kind of feel for him in that sense that that that's the case. Um, but, you know, this is, this is a kid who's going to find his way very, very well. Like, he's got everything that you'd want and he can hammer a puck and he can put it in the net and he's not afraid to, to try and do it. So, um, he's a player, I think, that will continue to grow and get better and add dimensions to his game as he goes. Um, but his his real bread and butter is going to be to continue to be putting that puck on net and taking that puck towards the net. So, uh, again, he's he's slam dunk top ten in, in my opinion. But he may be one of those guys in the top five that we start thinking, oh, this guy hasn't gone yet. This guy hasn't gone yet. So. He he really could go anywhere still, but if if he falls out of that top ten, I would be absolutely shocked. Okay, uh, Brent Clark, I really enjoyed having him on the show this year. Um, it was a lot of fun to talk to, and uh, I thought he was outstanding at the at the World U18. Is he? Well, tell me your thoughts on him as a player, and and if there's a a recent comparable, I, I kind of draw a comparison to uh, Jamie Drysdale from last year, who I knew you were really high on, but maybe that's off the market. You tell me, Brent Clark, first your thoughts on him. 
Brant Clark, the thing that really stands out to me the most about him, and it has ever since I saw him play the first time when he was at the U15 level, is how intuitive he is. He just gets the game. He is cerebral on the ice and powerful and aggressive. Uh, he's a really, really fun defenseman. You know, he's a, he's a fun teammate. He makes other players better from the back end, distributes the puck very well, can rush the puck, can skate himself out of trouble. He's not the prettiest skater. He's got kind of a strange, awkward style to it, but it's effective. And he's able to get away from things. He's able to do everything that he needs to do. He's a really, really, really likable player. And, you know, I haven't really met him or had many discussions with him, but he's one of those guys that everybody you talk to that does know him rants and raves about his personality, uh, loves being on, on his team. So those, again, are, they're guys where you start looking at it from an organizational culture side. Here's a puck-moving defenseman, unselfish, willing to block shots. He just plays the game the right way and then has that intuition. And that intuition is just when you see a kid that has that level of understanding of the physics of the game and what to do out there, and he's that young, it's it's remarkable. And I think, you know, that's the really exciting thing about him. Uh, to me, again, he's one of those guys you have to consider in the top five, uh, and he could go any any one of those spots. I think if he falls out of that, it's just an absolute grand larceny. So, uh, you know, the Jamie Drysdale comparison in the way that he maybe thinks the game, yes. Um, Jamie's just such a phenomenal skater uh, and so multidirectional and smooth. Clark's not as smooth, um, but he's maybe a little bit more explosive, a little bit more powerful. So, you know, their, their capabilities are similar in terms of, you know, what they can do, but how they do it is very, very different. Drysdale's uh, not as big as Clark either. Clark's listed at 6'2 and 190, so there's a big difference. Yeah, and Clark's a little bit more rough and tumble. Jamie's a little bit more of a you know get-in-the-way type, um, controlled positioning, hold lanes. Clark will come get the puck from you. And, you know, again, that's a, that's a fun skill to watch as a fan, um, and it's something I think people really respect. So, you know, you get to watch him do that. You get to watch him play that way. He, he's exciting. One of the guys I really uh, was uh, seemed to always draw my attention at the U18 was Logan Stankoven from the uh, the Kamloops Blazers. Uh, another guest who I enjoyed his personality when he was on the show, but just seemed like he was consistently good every game uh, at, in uh, down in Texas. Is he too small to be considered a, a first round pick, even though there's so much skill and potential there uh, from that standpoint? Could he be a guy who slips out of the first round? there's always that potential. I, I don't see how, how you let somebody like that do it. I mean, his energy is incredible um, and it's positive. He's just constantly doing positive plays for his team. He's very creative. He's so fast, so quick. He finds gaps all over the ice. And, you know, as you said, he's, he's a character individual. Uh, he's again, another one of those players that uh, people that play with him, love him, rant and rave about, just what a good teammate he is and, and, you know, how funny he is to be around and everybody wants to play with him because he makes everybody else better. He, he confuses other teams significantly and he does it with, you know, really, really well angled four checks. Uh, he does it with just pesky energy and, and that explosive quick skating stride. And those are really, really hard things to find. Uh, I, I think we're really past the days of, you know, looking at, particular players in terms of their size. Now where size really matters now is if it's 
players at a, you know, at the junior level who play in really physical situations and that's how they earn their success. That's not how Stan Coven earns his success. He can go in there, but again, he's calculated his angles when he's on four checks are spectacular. He's so sneaky, unbelievably pesky. So he just creates a ton of turnovers and his ability to get behind D and and use his teammates effectively is really exciting. So, you know, no, I don't think, in my opinion, this is not a guy that I don't think uh, can fall out of the first round. Um, is he more likely to go later in the first round? Yes, because I still think some of that stigma exists, but I think it's been obliterated by some players that have joined the league in the last few years, you know, your Braden points and so on, that uh, can do that type of thing. And everyone wants one of those guys now. Yeah, I, I wondered if he could be this year's Cole Caulfield, and, and some people have pushed back on that and said more like Alex DeBrinkett and Rocco Grimaldi. Those are guys who went in the second round, um, but uh, might be first-rounders if you redo those drafts at this point. Um, so that was Logan Stankoven. Uh, lastly, I always ask you for some personal favorites. Who are some guys that uh, that we haven't chatted about that you know are maybe uh, guys that stand out for you that are unheralded or don't get as much attention as you think they should? Well, I'll still stick kind of in the first round here with a couple of names. One of the guys that I just absolutely am completely infatuated with and have been since the first time I watched him play is Cole Sillinger. Um, to me, Cole Sillinger and Matthew Beniers could be the two most effective uh, forwards available in this draft. You know, you're not necessarily getting a, a, uh, a catalyst playmaking center, um, but Cole Sillinger is just one of those guys who does everything. He does all of the little things that add up to huge successes. And I've never seen a game where he hasn't done it. Every single time I watch him, and I've probably seen a hundred of his games now, where every single time I'm left thinking, every little thing this guy does is important. And I, I can't remember thinking of that about a prospect. Such a good two-way player. Uh, I think he's going to be just a, a spectacular add to, to some team um, and leadership capabilities. Uh, again, organizing that that culture within a team, I think he's a potential future captain in the NHL. And hmm. when you're looking at that first round and you see somebody that has all of those things, you know, does he stand out as that, you know, really sexy guy who's going to create all that offense? Not always, but, you know, it is part of his game. He puts up numbers. But, uh, you know, at the next level, he just projects as one of those guys you, you want to have on your team. You look how effective players like Mark Stone are now where, you know, they do put up really good offensive numbers, but the two-way play is unbelievable. And Cole Sillinger falls into that. He falls into that, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, Patrice Bergeron, Nick Suzuki, Mark Stone type uh, player that, that helps your team win games every single time he hits the ice. So, you know, he's one of my absolute favorites in this particular draft. Um, another guy that stands out that I believe will be a first rounder is Zachary LaRue from uh, the Mooseheads in Halifax. Uh, he's just an electrifying player. Uh, his, his energy, his work ethic, and his skill level uh, are, are fantastic. He manufactures offense all over the place. He can do it from a variety of ways. He's a skilled guy that's also a grinder. Uh, he's a really, really likable player. Every time I watch him, I'm, I, I'm, I'm feeling really good about what I'm seeing. Um, you know, moving on, there's a couple of the Russian kids that looked really, really good. Uh, the Nikita Chibrikov, yep. uh, who was playing in St. Petersburg, he was really impressive to me. Again, another player that makes things happen, just goes after it, doesn't sit back and wait for the game to come to him. He takes control of games, and 
if I've really kind of noticed anything over the last few years in terms of trends, it's the guys that do that, that, uh, that help teams win. Those guys become really, really valuable prospects uh, for organizations, whether they're putting up numbers or not, if they can be dynamic, if they can be versatile, uh, especially when you're looking at picks sort of in the you know late first round uh, or into the second round, the value you get with players like that is, is exceptional. One guy I really want to talk about too, just sticking on that Russian team, um, they, small little defenseman, Alexander Figurin. He was just a player who got the game. And uh, U18s, he really stood out. I saw a couple of his uh, games from Russia um, where I had kind of tagged him as, well, this is a guy I hadn't heard a whole lot about that I want to learn more of. And every single time I saw him on the ice at the U18s, he was, he was a standout in terms of his decision-making uh, and his ability to control the pace of play and, and never really panic. So like, another guy I think could be a real steal, likely in the second or third round. What was his name? Sorry? Alexander Figurin. Figurin with an F? Yeah, F-I-G-U-R-I-N. Okay, excellent. I'll look him up. Uh, great rundown as always. I hope you have uh, time for me again once more before the before the draft comes around, Ross. Absolutely. I'm still looking at like ten names. I'd love to talk about at least. So, and I haven't even scrolled the page down yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Ross. We'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Anytime. That was Ross McLean, who was a independent scout, free agent scout. Uh, I'm still surprised he hasn't uh, been picked up uh, by some club. Because he is always a wealth of information. Back when the show first started, he was working for ISS International Scouting Services and uh, would be on our show on a very, very regular basis and uh, was always knocking it out of the park. And then from there, he went on to work for Hockey Canada. He's a skills and development coach now, um, but uh, definitely has a scouting acumen that would help, I think, any team that wanted help uh, with another scouting opinion. And he will definitely be back on leading up to the NHL draft. Now, as for the NHL draft, uh, we're going to have three guests this week, all of them draft-eligible players. So we're going to turn on the 2021 draft spotlight. When we come back, we'll begin with Brennan Othman, who played for the uh, Flint Firebirds last year. This past uh, season, though, because of COVID, had to go overseas. He played in the Swiss League, came back, dressed for Canada, and helped Canada win gold. Down at the World U18, he's ranked very high. NHL Central Scouting has him 8th overall in North America. Let's get to know Brennan Othman next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Johnson stripped by Delandria, backhander, he scores! Short-headed goal for the rookie, Ty Delandria. It's 1-0 Flint. Hey, it's Ty Delandria from the Flint Firebirds, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Nothing compares to the smile on a child's face after their wish has been granted. The Rainbow Society of Alberta is dedicated to granting wishes throughout the province to children who have been diagnosed with a life-threatening or severe chronic medical illness. And you can help too. View the wishes, refer a child, and donate at rainbowsociety.ab.ca or get involved as a volunteer. Having a wish come true fills a child's heart with hope and happiness. Visit rainbowsociety.ab.ca today. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Oh, my. We're back on The Pipeline Show, and let's get to the 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. So we're going to have three of them in a row, get to know three different players who are all eligible for the draft this year. And uh, 
Of of course, uh, the show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the uh, best beef jerky in Alberta. Uh, but we're going to head to Ontario, where my guest currently is. And, uh, of course, I'm speaking with Brennan Othman from the Flint Firebirds. We also saw him represent Canada down in Texas, come home uh, with a gold medal from that event, and he played overseas as well. Brennan, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Uh, I feel great. Uh, I'm glad we, the listeners don't know this, but we had a heck of a time connecting this morning. I had some uh, some technical <laughs> issues. I'm uh, really happy that those are behind us and we actually get to to do this interview. But the the draft uh, just right around the corner. What's your uh, you know? Are you getting nervous? Are you getting excited? A little bit of both? Yeah, a little bit of both right now. Lots of uh, lots of in- interviews happening and the preparation. So uh, it's right around the corner. Like you said, it's about a month away now. So. Uh, each day you get up and you're excited for it. So I'm looking forward to the day that it happens. So, um, yeah, I would have been nervous, I'd say. What have you been doing since, uh, I guess, the end of the the World U18? Do you come home? Do you get to put your feet up and relax by the pool? Or knowing you guys, you're, you're hard at work in the gym and stuff already. Yeah, I've been able to. We had two-week quarantine here from uh, from Texas. So I've been able to chill out in my backyard and swim a couple times in my uh, nice backyard we have here. And now I'm working out hard and I know, preparing myself for the draft in the upcoming season. Now, I know there is not really an NHL combine in the classic sense where everybody's flying into Toronto or Buffalo and, and working out, and then you have all the interviews. But my understanding is that uh, a lot of the players have been speaking with NHL teams, doing doing everything basically by Zoom and stuff. Uh, I imagine you've had a number of those. Yeah, I've had quite a few. Uh, I think uh, only two or three teams haven't reached out yet, or, or those teams have... Uh, coming up in interviews up in the upcoming weeks here but yeah i've been doing lots of interviews they're, they're very intense they're very cool they're exciting to do um i think all of us kids in the draft here and uh even guys younger that are doing interviews now with podcasts and with nhl teams it's quite exciting and we really, really enjoy doing them how how weird and how difficult was this past let's say 15 months at this point since the ohl season last year was was ended prematurely just the extra long off season. I know you got to go to Europe and play a little bit, and a lot of your counterparts in the draft this year didn't have that opportunity. Uh, but not being able to have an OHL season, and uh, just how challenging was that for you, even from a mental state, let alone from a, a development perspective? Yeah, it's definitely it was definitely uh, challenging, and it's definitely you know it, it drains energy out of you for sure, and it definitely drains out of everyone in the hockey world not knowing that you can't play hockey, but. Um, you know, at the same time, it, it was good too. I think all of us got to stay home and, and train harder. And, and I was fortunate to go to Switzerland and play in Switzerland over there. But at the same time, I felt bad for my fellow peers and, and guys in this draft because they weren't able to showcase themselves like you would if there was a regular season in the OHL. So it's disappointing, but at the same time, it's positive. And uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to the next month and, and looking forward to see what happens. How did the opportunity to go to Switzerland uh, come to you? Uh, I know your dad and your uncle both played in Switzerland uh, when they were uh, younger in their playing careers, but um, how did that trickle down to you? Was there a connection there? Yeah, my uncle my uncle's still over there. He's still over there in Switzerland. He had a job over there, and his family's over there. And um, he, he played for the team that I played for, so it was kind of cool to play for the same organization he did. And um, I've always said I wanted to go play in Switzerland at some point in my career, if that's towards the end of my career or, or to start it. And I think it was pretty cool to start my, you know, in quotations, professional career over in Switzerland. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a very, very good uh, opportunity and an exciting experience. Well, on paper, you know, I didn't get to see any of those games, but 16 points in 34 games playing against men, 
seems like it was a fairly simple, easy transition for you, but I imagine it was a lot harder than playing in the OHL. Yeah, it was definitely a lot harder. It was definitely uh, challenging. You had, you had guys that got drafted in the NHL that are over there, and um, guys that played in, in the top league that come down and play in the, in the Swiss League. So it's an A and B league there. So guys in the A league come down and play in the Swiss League sometimes. So it was definitely uh, it was definitely challenging, but you get used to it pretty quick. So I enjoyed it a lot. I had a great time there. I played really well. So, um, yeah, like I said, it was a really good opportunity, great experience, and like, you can't say anything can't say anything bad about it. I, I know the the plan normally would have been an OHL season and you would have been back in Flint, but now having had this experience, do you almost think it might have, it might be a better season for you than if there had been an OHL season? I mean, it's it is playing against men. Yeah, you know what? It's there's definitely some some pluses and some negatives and some minuses for sure about playing against men and for, and uh, playing in the OHL and. Uh, yeah, it's it's great to know that you have that backup plan to go play in Switzerland against the men. But you know, I, the route that I took was to play in the OHL, and it was just dedicated to play in the OHL. And um, like I said, it was a, you know it was a great great opportunity. I can't say anything bad about it, but um, I think it was a very good decision, and uh, I do it again in a heartbeat. Brennan Othman, my guest, he's a, a forward with the Flint Firebirds, and Alt- also the uh, the Olton. What what was the Olton's name? Uh, it's just Olton. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have a logo or a name or anything. EHC is a, what I see it here. Uh, it's hockey club. I suppose. Yeah, EHC Olton Hockey Club. They got a little rat as a logo. It's pretty funny. A rat. Okay, interesting. Yeah. No, and there's no story to that. No, there's no story to that. I don't know. I, I believe uh, in 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 Olton there. There's a. Uh, it's always it's always gloomy and there's not a lot of sun there, and uh, it was always they have dark jerseys and stuff like that and. Um and it's filled with forest and trees, so you're right. You're right in the forest and stuff like that, which is pretty, pretty cool. But uh, I think that's there's no really a story behind that. Uh, why there's a lot there. All right, Brendan Othman, my guest. Uh, Brendan, for at this point in the show, we like to let the audience get to know somebody that's in your shoes, being a draft eligible player. And um, not everybody that's hearing this, there might be just a lot of casual NHL fans right now who will go back and listen to an interview. Uh, at, because their favorite team may have just drafted you, but they're they might not be junior hockey fans or anything like that, so might not know anything about you. So for the benefit of those people, uh, let's get some background. Uh, where are you from? I'm from Pickering, Ontario, uh, up here in in Toronto. All right, and do you remember how old you were when you first started playing? Uh, I believe I was around uh, three years old. Who who got you into hockey? I'm guessing it was your father. Yep, my father and, and my mother got me into into hockey. Okay. Have you always been a forward? Always been a forward, yes. Never tried the blue line or it took your turn in net even when you were a kid? No, never. I think that actually I, I did in house league. I was in, you had to take, uh, you know, transitions in that goalie. And um, I remember there was like 10 seconds left in the game in a 1 1 game. And the guy shot it from center ice and I let it in. And I said, you know, I'm never going in net again. So <laughs> um, that's, that's why I'm a forward now. Hey, you, you get only gave up two goals the entire game. That's that's pretty darn good. Yeah, not not too bad. Good save percentage. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just don't watch the highlights, I guess, of that one. Now, in the OHL draft, uh, a fairly early pick, uh, second overall taken by Flint in, in 2019. Now, you know, it's not that long ago, the, there was a lot of off-ice stuff with the Flint Firebirds. So on draft day, when you're taken by them, what was your initial reaction? Well, I, honestly, I was, I, was very, I was very, very excited. You know, many people may not think that. 
we got excited to go go play in front. But you know what? It's a great it's a great little town. It's a great place to play. The facilities are you know they're they're really great, and um, I was very excited to see what happens in, over the upcoming years when I got drafted. And um, I have no regrets going there. It's been a great time there, so um, I was very excited. Well, 33 points last year in 55 games uh, in your rookie season. 17 of those were goals. Uh, those are nice numbers. I imagine you're pretty happy with the way you played. Yeah, I'm honestly, you know, I'm very happy the way I played. I think, you know, knowing me, I could, I wanted to do a lot more, and I wanted to play, play more for sure. But, um, you know, it's just the the way it goes. Sometimes you can't you can't do everything on the ice, right? And um, I, I was excited for the year. We had a great team, and um, I did well for myself. So I can't complain at all. For those of us who haven't had a, wa- a chance to watch you play, uh, I mean, outside of the U18 uh, with Canada, but you know, in Flint or or maybe didn't uh, get to see any of the games overseas, can you give us a, a self scouting report on what Brendan Hoffman is like as a player? Yeah, I'm a very you know very intense uh, winger that likes to score and likes to get other guys' skins on the other team. They love me on the team. They hit pun against me, and um, it's just the kind of player I am. I think that I'm. And play anywhere up and down the lineup. I can score if you want me to. I can go hit guys if you want me to. You know, you tell me, you basically tell me what to do. I'll do it for you. So that's the type of player I am. The sheet I'm looking at says six feet tall and 174 pounds, but I don't know how uh, up to date that is. What are you at right now? That's that's around up to date. I just measured myself six foot and uh, weighed in today actually at 177. 177. All right. You mentioned uh, you see yourself as a scorer. Your your numbers last year: 17 goals, 16 assists. Uh, in Olton, seven goals, nine assists. With Canada, three goals, three assists. So it's pretty evenly split right down the middle. But do you see yourself more as a scorer? Yeah, you know what? I, I've always I I think I have a pretty good shot, and um, I think I can score. But you know, it's something that's really underrated in my game is is my playmaking ability, and uh, I'm not really known for for that too much. In, in my hockey career, I'm more known for my for my shot, my scoring ability. But like you said, there it's pretty right down the middle. I like to make the the odd good pass, and <laughs> um, but uh, no, I think it's right down the middle for sure. But I obviously you want to score, you like to score, but um, I think I'm more in, in the middle type of player, like you said. And you said you like to get under the opposition's skin. Why why is that important to you? You know what? I just I just like I like it's pretty cliche, but you love the game. You just love to. Just start things up. I'm just, I was just here with my family. My dad and I, we always got on the ice together. He runs a hockey school. So we, we always had each other's necks and um, stuff like that. So I think maybe that's how I uh, I started getting under guys' skins. And I always get under his skin, too, here at home. So mm-hmm. I think that's kind of how I, I started to do it. And I like to see other players' reactions. throws them off their game, and it gets me on my game. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just why I do it. It's got to be tough not to take penalties if you're going to play that agitating style. In Flint, you only had 36 penalty minutes that, that season, so obviously you are able to do it there. Suddenly, 64 penalty minutes uh, with Olton in just 34 games. Uh, so what happened? Just a different way of uh, calling the game over there? Yeah, you know what? The, the Swiss, they, they play very differently for sure. I have nothing. Obviously, I don't have anything bad to say about them. They're, they're good people. They know how to play the game properly. Um, but you know what? They just play a completely different way than they do in North uh, North America. Here, the refs are very soft, and um, they, you know maybe that's just how it is when you get uh, over in Europe. Actually, I had a gun to fight over there, and it was a 14, 15 minute penalty, and I didn't know that. Hmm. So um, it was very, very weird. But um, yeah, that's just I think it's just a 
different league than what it is in the OHL and in the NHL. Getting to play for Canada at the U18 uh, had to have been exciting. Obviously, it went very well for you and, and your teammates and coming back with the gold medal. But what was that experience like for you? Very, very, very good experience. Hockey Canada always does a great job with with all of us there. And, uh, you know, they treat us like professional hockey players. And um, I can't say anything bad about the, the tournament at all. I can't say anything bad about the facilities. They, they're all great. They met my expectations um, with with COVID, obviously. And we had to stay pretty, pretty away. From, we had to stay away from each other most of the time. And um, we only allowed to hang out at the rink, so it was it was great. Again, Hockey Canada did a great job, and I can't say anything bad about it. Got to play in front of some fans, and at that point, not that wasn't happening uh, a lot. Um, that must have been good too. Uh, I don't know if you got to play in front of fans when you were overseas at all. Yeah, at the start of it, right when I got there, we were allowed to play in front of a hundred hundred fans, hundred and fifty fans, and then COVID tried to pick up again, and um then it took a turn and we weren't able to play in front of any fans but honestly the hundred fans that were there the first couple of games they're, they're crazy they're great uh brennan uh just before i let you go the the draft has it been on your mind much this uh i guess the last 15 months or so i know a lot of players will tell me that they try not to think about it because it could be a distraction but there are those who say they actively seek out to see who's got them ranked where and and things like that because uh they use that as a motivator uh what about you yeah, like, like 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 you said, it's pretty cliche for all of us to say that we don't think about it, but I think realistically we do. And um, I think honestly, for me, over the last couple of months, like over the last couple of months, and since I've been home, uh, you, you definitely think about it just because of um, you know it's coming up soon, right? And then you have to yeah. get excited for it and you know, all these interviews, so you definitely think about that and uh, about the draft rankings. You know, like you some people have the ranked high, some may have you low, some may have you in the middle, but you know, it's all about what an NHL team wants. It's all about what they need. It's all about how you do good in your interviews. And, um, you know, what for me, seeing, seeing somebody's higher than me, seeing some guys lower than me, it's great. I, I wish that the guys lower than me can move up a little bit, but um, we'll see uh, We'll see what happens. And like I said, I'm very excited for July 23rd or 24th, and uh, we'll, see. we'll see what team likes me and picks me up, but like I said, I'm looking forward to it, and I love the process so far. It seems like every list that I've seen has you as a first-rounder, so there's no real concern or question if you're going to get drafted. It's just a matter of when. Does it matter? Does it matter if you're a top 10 or a top 20 or you know a first-round guy or just out of the first round? Does it really matter to you outside of maybe bragging rights and pride a little bit? You know what? Honestly, it's, it's nice to call yourself a first-rounder. It's nice to call yourself a top 20, top 10 pick, top 15 pick, whatever it is, but realistically it doesn't matter honestly you can you look at previous drafts and previous guys that have gone and i mean ryan o'reilly when went first pick in the second round is the captain of the st louis blues Blues. you look at you know nikita kucherov i don't know where he went i think he was a a third round pick maybe second round pick i'm not entirely sure but i mean he's best one of the best players on tampa bay and um i mean it doesn't matter it's all about how you develop it's all about where you go yeah, it's nice to go top 10, nice to go in the top 20 first round. It's it's great. It feels good on you and you have confidence. But uh, for me, I, I like to say the pressure's on, on us, on, on the first round picks that are going uh, uh, to go in the first round because you have guys that are in the second round and third round, fourth round that want to sign in the NHL, that want to play in the NHL. And yeah, you have kind of that uh, opportunity because you were, you were in that first round, but those guys that are picked uh, lower than you, they're going to come harder and faster and got to prepare for that.
Great answer. I like that. Uh, lastly, uh, favorite team growing up? Uh, you're an Ontario guy. Does that make it a Leafs thing? Well, it doesn't. Leafs are probably my second favorite team. My favorite team is the, the Penguins. Any particular reason why the Penguins? I know uh, there's a lot of players your age that look to the Penguins. Yeah, I just I really like Chris. Uh, Chris me. <laughs> I really <laughs> like uh, Sidney Cros- Sidney Crosby's. You know, every Canadian guy loves to uh, loves to watch him play. He's a great hockey player and. You know, he's one of the best in the game and one of the best we'll ever see playing. And, you know, honestly, another guy I like to watch is Chris Tang, even though he's a defenseman. He's just, I think he's a very beautiful skater and he's very smart. And um, those are two guys that I started watching on Pittsburgh and fell in love with uh, too. Fantastic. Brennan, I really appreciate your uh, your time. I'm glad we were able to finally connect. Uh, I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck at the draft and whatever happens later. And maybe we'll chat again. Thank you very much. That is Brennan Othman, not Brendan, but Brennan Othman, who we most recently saw playing for Canada down in uh, Plano, Texas, bringing home a gold medal for Canada. Also, he played overseas in uh, Switzerland for Olten, and before that, with the Flint Firebirds, uh, that would have been last year. He'll be there again this coming season, knock on wood. If you have had a chance to watch Brennan play and want to share your thoughts, you can always find me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. And, of course, if you uh, want to have a chance to submit questions for upcoming guests, I let all my uh, patrons at patreon.com slash show, all the supporters there, they get a heads up on the guests who are coming up. So they've known for a couple of days that Brennan Othman was going to be on the show. And if you want to have a chance to submit questions for any of the guests, then uh, maybe you want to be a patron as well. Up next, we continue with the 2021 Draft Spotlight segments. A player who is uh, dressed for Team USA and the U.S. National Development Team for the last two seasons. But next year, he is uh, moving north and will dress for the OHL's London Knights. His name is Liam Gilmartin. Let's get to know Liam next here on the Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Jameson starting out of his own zone for the London Knights. Now a pass to Kachuk, inside the blue line. Kachuk waits, scores! Matthew Kachuk, the Knights win the Memorial Cup! I'm Mitch Marner of the London Knights. It's Max Jones. It's Cliff Booth. Hey, it's Ole Horvath. Hey, this is Andreas Stephanisiu. Silas Parsons. Hey, this is Matthew Kachuk of the London Knights, and you are listening to The Pipeline Show. Talent, development, NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. NHLers Kyle Turris wow, and Duncan Keith and future NHLers Tyson Jost and Dante Fabro all took the campus route. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. And boom goes the dynamite. We are back on The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming, powered by Wilhock Beef Jerky, the best beef jerky in all of Alberta. And in fact, uh, the best beef jerky, I can say safely, I can say that's the best beef jerky I've ever had. We're going to continue rolling with the 2021 Draft Spotlight segments, get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL Draft uh, that's happening uh, next month. Boy, it's getting a lot closer. Uh, I wonder if my next guest is... Uh, 
nervous or excited or maybe a little of both? Let's ask uh, Liam Gilmartin from the uh, from Team USA, the U18 National Development Program. And, uh, well, we know where he's playing next year. He's going to be a member of the London Knights. We'll find out all about that. Liam, welcome to the program. How are you? Hey, Guy. Thanks for having me. A uh, pleasure to get a chance to chat with you. Uh, uh, well, let's start with the draft and just, you know, it's right around the corner. What's your mood like right now? Uh, it's, it's, it's nerve-wracking for sure, but um, it's just one of those things that you only get to experience once. So I'm just looking in the most optimistic way I can and uh, just going to take it day by day. How weird has this last, you know, I guess we could say 15 months now uh, since the end of uh, the, the season last year and being cut uh, prematurely short and then you got to play for the most part, you guys in the USHL got to play a normal season. A little bit different for you because I don't know how many NCAA teams you played against, and there wasn't a lot of international play, which was different for the program. But how weird was this past 15 months for you? Uh, it it was it was really weird. It was one of those things where it felt like it took forever during it, like the quarantines and all that stuff. Like it felt like it was never going to end. But um, when it all ended, it felt like it just went by super quick. So it, it was a really weird experience. Um, Never knowing if you're going to play like a game because someone gets COVID is just like hmm. I don't know. It's hard. To, it's hard to stay mentally focused like that. But I think our team and like I tried to do a good job of staying focused and on task of what we had to do at hand. So you ever tried to count up how many days you actually spent in quarantine? Uh no, we. I did not. I should have. But um, I would. It was probably a plus sixty, plus seventy days. Crazy. Like, what do you do? I I so I'm a big uh. Like, when I was in quarantine, I'd, like, obviously, I'd do workouts. I'd get runs in and stuff like that. But uh, when I wasn't running or stick handling, I would play video games with, like, some of my buddies. We'd play, like, Xbox. And uh, that's how you keep in touch with your teammates, you know, keep the bond going, keep the boys buzzing, and uh, just having a fun time with them. So, Any particular games that you were playing, and, and who's the best gamer of the guys that you are playing with? Uh, we play Call of Duty Warzone, yeah. and probably probably the best best gamer would probably be Caden Brown. He's a he's pretty nice in that game. So uh, all right, well let's get to the hockey. And uh, the last uh, bit we saw of you on the ice. Well, obviously we know what happened down in Texas. Uh, a disappointing end to it uh, for for you and for your two years with the program. Uh, what went wrong? Uh, there's a lot of injuries. COVID, like a lot of guys out with COVID. Like no, not trying to make excuses, but it's hard. It's hard going into a tournament like that big with numbers and guys that you didn't like haven't played with all year who were just getting called up for their first game like not only against like like just against that competition like international competition for for those guys because they didn't go overseas either to play like in russia like we did our 17 years so mm-hmm. it was interesting for those guys to be called up and put into situations like that but uh i feel like the guys we called up they did a great job it was just it just didn't just felt like it just didn't work out like in the end there for us what was the highlight of your of your two years that you spent with the program? I mean, that's uh, those are uh, some of the best years. Uh, you know, guys I talked to years after they've been in the program look back at those two years and, and just talk about how special it was and the bond you get to to create with uh, with your teammates over that two year span. What what are the memories you're going to take away? Um, I'm just gonna, I'm, I'm just going to take away like all the fun times. Like, yeah, we had like we had a couple of good wins. Uh, we had a couple. We did well in the national tournaments, but. Just memories with the boys. Um, that's just something like you'll never forget, and it's definitely easier to make memories there because you guys are all doing the same thing. You're all battling against each other all day. Like you're, you're each other's like break from reality. So just getting getting time with the boys was probably 
Something will take with me forever. Liam, what have you been doing since Texas? Uh, now that uh, as the draft gets closer and closer, did you have a chance to you know relax and unwind a bit? Uh, or is it right back to the gym and try to get on ice as much as you can, start preparing, preparing already for next year? Yeah, so I took a couple of weeks off from uh, skating, and uh, I kind of just let my uh, let my body recover because it was, it was a long, tedious season. So, kind of let my body recover like that. But uh, I got in the gym and I kept I kept working out, getting stronger, and then I'm back on the ice now. And uh, I've been training down in Virginia for for the, the time I've been back. So, all right, and I know uh, a lot of guys have been with maybe no NHL combine in the classic sense. Uh, once again this year, a lot of guys have been uh, chatting with teams via Zoom and things like that over the course of the season. Uh, a lot of that for you too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, there's there's teams that call for sure. Now you said you're. Uh, I know you're from Virginia, aren't you originally? Yeah, so I was. Well, I was born in Virginia. I mean, I was born in Germany, and then when I was about like six or eight months, we moved to Virginia, and that's where I've grown up since. Okay, I know. Right now, you're in uh, Beantown, though, aren't you? In Boston, you were telling me a couple of days ago you went to the Bruins game. Yeah, so uh, I'm up right now with my buddy uh, Jack Hughes. My parents are going out to the Cape because we have a house on the Cape Cod, and uh, I didn't want to not train for a week, so I went down to my buddy, and uh, we're just training together, uh, me and Jack Hughes. So we went to the Bruins game too, and that was that was an unreal experience. Just a tough way that game ended like that, but uh, uh, it was it was it was just an unreal just to see all the fans back in the stadium. Like it was packed barn, like no mask or anything. It was just. You just forgot what it was like, so yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, I know you were, you texted me a picture from the game that night, and I was like, man, that's that's awesome. We're we're still like hundreds to a couple hundred people at a game here. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. that's the case. But now, are you are you is there a connection to the Bruins, or just you just happen to be in Boston? I, growing up in Virginia, I'm thinking Washington's probably the closest team to you there. Yeah, so I uh, we had season tickets to Washington growing up, um, up until. They won the cup. We actually sold them the year before they won the cup. So that was ouch. Yeah, that was, that was nice. But um, my dad's originally from Worcester, Massachusetts. So I kind of I have a lot of family up in Boston. So Boston's like a second home to me, I would say. Uh, Liam Gilmartin is my uh, guest here on the Pipeline Show. He's in the 2021 Draft Spotlight. Uh, Liam, what we like to do in this part of the show is let the audience uh, get to know some background and history of of the player. Uh, a lot of casual NHL fans uh, that don't watch uh, junior hockey or college hockey, um, they might uh, go back and, and try to hear the interviews with the players that maybe their favorite team just drafted you or something like that. So for the benefit of those casual NHL fans, uh, let's get some uh, some background. You mentioned you're from Virginia. Uh, how old were you when you started playing? Do you remember? Yeah, I was probably about four years old, three years old. My dad just my dad threw me on skates. Um, I was skating for about a year, and my dad almost made me stop skating completely because I wasn't getting any better. <laughs> but um, he stood with it a little bit, and then it started. Uh, me and my brother started like playing together and training together. He's ten years older than me, but uh, we'd wow. always like play in the backyard together. And uh, I stuck with hockey, fell in love with hockey, and uh, kept it going since. All right, that's a pretty big age gap between you and your brother. Now you're a forward. Have you always been a forward, or did you ever try the blue line? Uh yeah, I used to try. The, I used to play uh, defense back in back in like back in the day. I'd say I probably was probably like twelve or eleven. I'd play defense and forward, just okay. like whatever the team whatever the team needed. And now I know uh, a lot of the players I talk to say you know when they're really young, squirts or something like that, novice, uh, they might have to take their turn in net. What about you? 
I did I did it once and never did it again. That was a brutal experience. I hated it. I don't know how I I I just couldn't stand and move with the pads. Like it just felt so unnatural. Right. But um, it was it was cool when I made a save. But I just felt so awkward. Didn't feel <laughs> didn't feel good. I, I don't I don't I don't preferably like eating shots like eating thirty shots. You know like like that. So yeah, you got to be a little crazy to to be a goaltender, don't you? Yeah, definitely. Because I give those guys props for that. <laughs> your uh, your path to the uh, to the national program and getting to play for Team USA like that for a couple of years, how did that come about for you? Did, were, was that something you kind of grew up that that was what you uh, you know a destination for you? Something you always had your eye on, or did it kind of uh, come to you out of the blue a bit? It kind of. So I kind of knew like I knew about the program, and um, me and my brother would always watch like their games and stuff like that um internationally and he had these signs around that had national team development program london knights and the nhl on it when i was like probably seven or eight um he put like signs around the house that said like what did you do to get better today Hmm. and it had those those logos on it so it was kind of it was kind of interesting what was his connection with the london knights like why would you have had london knights he played um in the nojhl for the north bay trappers okay and so he was a big like Canada major junior hockey guy, and he was like London, like that's a, that's a place to play. Like you don't play anywhere, that's a nice place to play. So well, that's, that's kind of why I did it, and it just ended up like that. Well, interesting how it's all working out. Uh, tell me about Shattuck, though. You get to go to Shattuck out in Minnesota and play there. That's a long way to go from home for you at that age. Yeah, Shattuck. Yeah, it was, but uh, it was like a step I was ready to make. I kind of wanted to. Um, get out of the air, you know, like face like wider, um, co- like more broad competition. So yeah. I kind of got that. That was, uh, that was interesting. And then back to the question about, um, like it, if I was like, had an, I had my eye on it. It wasn't really one of those things because being from like the DC area, like uh, I didn't think of hockey, like, like I didn't know what like level I was at. So when I got to Shattuck and I started like realizing I think my sophomore year, I could make the development team. I was like, wow. <laughs> Like that, that just came out of nowhere. So hmm. that's kind of how that came about for me. Well, that's good that you, you addressed that. I was going to ask, you know, because we see, all right, well, an NHL team goes to Arizona and suddenly we're seeing more players coming from Arizona that are getting to higher levels now. And it, it happened in, in California. I don't see it happening. And Washington, the Capitals have had a team there for a long time. But, you know, I wondered what minor hockey was like in in your area where you grew up because it doesn't seem like there are a ton of players coming out from that neck of the woods. Yeah, there's definitely not a ton of players, but there's a, there's some guys like Joe Snively right now. He's in the cap system. Um, he grew up in Virginia. I've been skating with him down in Virginia, but uh, he's one of the other guys that are trying to make a, make a spot on the NHL team. And then uh, Garrett Rowe, he played on the U S team. Yeah. Um, he's from Virginia. And so I'd skate with him too. But there's not a lot of guys, which is interesting. But I would definitely agree to that about like the NHL teams being there and then more players coming because that's kind of what got me into the game was when my parents had season tickets, uh, I'd go to the games and my seats were right across from Ovechkin, like where his one-timer was on the power play. Right. So I just I just see that, and that that's literally what got me into hockey. That was being like want to score goals, which is seeing him celebrate after like scoring that, like and getting the barn on their feet. So. All right, well, after your two years at Shattuck, where you had big numbers both years, 82 points your first year and 65 points uh, the second year, that was the uh, two different levels there. 
but uh, big numbers, impressive numbers. You get to the program, offensive numbers, but maybe not blowing them out of the water type numbers. How do you feel about the way you played there? Was your role different from what it was at Shattuck? Yeah, I definitely took like a, I definitely took a different role when I came into the program. Um, I kind of worked more on my defensive side of my game and developed like the two-way um, forward game. So that actually, I actually ended up piecing my game really well together. And there's like, and also going to the program uh, just helped like my skating a lot too, which you need that if you want to go to a higher level. So that's kind of how that worked out. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's maybe while we have you, let's get a self scouting report. How do you see yourself as a player? I see myself as a strong, physical, um, two way, skilled power forward. Uh, I have a I have pretty good vision, especially for a big guy like me, and I have a pretty good skill set to go along my game. And I like to use my physicality to create space for me. So, six foot two, hundred ninety two pounds is the sheet that I have, uh, but that might be out of date. What are you at? One ninety seven right now. I'm oh. trying to get up to. 205, 210 ish. Okay, but still 6'2? Yep, still 6'2. Any concern about, you know, you want to get to 210? Could that be too big for you? Uh, I mean, I just look at it like you got guys like Saquon Barkley, who's like 220 or 230. Like those guys are like, they're huge, but they're still fast and quick. So I think, I think you can still play way like that. But um, I definitely want to put it on like gradually and not all on at once. Uh, I know uh, it's recently been announced that you've signed officially with the London Knights. So was that, I guess, growing up with signs like that around the house, uh, I guess this is almost uh, predestined for you. I know they took you in the fourth round, uh, what, a couple of years ago, I think. Um, have you always known that that was uh, where you kind of wanted to go? Um, not really, actually. I, I didn't really, so I didn't really get to hear a lot about them because I wasn't allowed to um, talk to them while I was at the program. And um, What? You weren't allowed to talk to them. Yeah, that was it was um, some stuff. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I wasn't allowed to talk about the program, so I didn't really like get to hear their spiel. And then after I got out of the program, I was allowed to talk to them again, and that kind of they kind of con- they they did a good job of convincing me, and I it feels right. So hmm. that's strange. Patrick Kane did it. Uh, why would it not be uh, okay to explore all of your options? I don't know. Just a different different time. I, I guess so. Uh, so were you? Was there any consideration to go on the college route for you, or once London had selected you, did you know that's what you wanted to do? Um, no. So when I committed to Providence, I like 100% wanted to go to Providence. Oh, I, I hadn't known that was in the picture at one point. Sorry about that. I didn't know. That. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. No, I I committed to Providence my um, junior year, and uh, I 100% I 100% wanted to go to Providence, but um. I don't know, I heard what London had to offer, and there's really no right or wrong decision, just whatever feels right, yeah. and kind of what I chose. Well, interesting. Okay, so you're going to go next season, right? You're, you'll be in London here in, uh, in a couple of months? Uh, yes. Okay. Let's finish with the draft, and just uh, has it been on your mind much? I know a lot of guys tell me they try not to think about the draft at all, but when the rankings come out, there are other guys who tell me they actively seek out to see where they're, they're slotted in and who has them where, and they use that as a motivator. Uh, what about for you, Liam? Um, I think my motivator is just trying to make the team better. Uh, I don't really like, I mean, no matter where you get drafted, you can always make a difference to a team. So I don't really take, if I get drafted too low, I don't really take that to like hard. I just take, I mean, I put a chip on my shoulder for sure, but I just know I can make a team better. So wherever I get drafted, I don't really, 
I, I don't really like, I mean, like I care, but it's like, I, I don't know how to say it. Yeah. I think I understand what you're saying. I mean, getting drafted is great, but that's kind of when the hard work really starts. Yeah, definitely. And it, it's, it's, there's guys that go undrafted, like Marty St. Louis yeah. went undrafted. Now he's, I mean, like it, it matters, but it, at the same time, you can make a difference no matter where you're at. So I kind of just focus on my training and just let that take over. Awesome. Uh, who was your favorite player growing up? Uh, Ovechkin. Pretty hard yeah, not to be. <laughs> when you got season tickets to the Caps, for that not to be your favorite guy. Exactly. No, definitely not. Uh, I also like Will Wilson too. He's a beast. Uh, okay, Tom Wilson. Yeah, I, I love him. He's an he's an awesome player. Pretty much. Pretty polarizing guy though. The there's no yeah. in between. You're either a fan or you're really not a fan. Exactly. Which I mean, I love that. Like. You're for your city, no one else. I love it. Yeah, well, another OHL grad there. So, uh, well, yeah. Liam, listen, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, good luck at the draft, and uh, maybe we'll chat again once you're uh, in London. Yep, thank you for having me on. All right, so that was Liam Gilmartin, who played for the U.S. National Development Program for the last two seasons. Um, he's headed to London next year to play for the Knights. That actually bothers me to hear that uh, the program wouldn't allow him to talk to the CHL team that owns his rights. That just seems that seems wrong to me. I you know I get the connection USA Hockey to college hockey, but um, it, don't you do what's best for the kid? Maybe he's not a student. If a player's lo- seeking for information and he's exploring all his avenues, wouldn't you support that rather than just pigeonholing him? Um, so I'm di- I'm disappointed to hear that about the program. Uh, you look at the players who have played for the program and then have decided that college wasn't the, the avenue for them, but that they would go to the Canadian Hockey League. And there's a pretty good list of players. He mentioned, well, I mentioned Patrick Kane went and played for those very same London Knights. So did Matthew Kachuk. So did Max Jones, Jack Campbell, John Gibson, two of the you know top goaltenders in the NHL these days. Both of them played for the program, then went to the Ontario Hockey League. Kiefer Bellows went from the, the program to the Portland Winterhawks. So did Seth and Caleb Jones. So did Peter Mueller. Those were all top caliber players when they were with the program, and they decided not to go to college. It's okay. Uh, I, to me, I don't know. That drives me crazy. If I was told that Hockey Canada was not allowing a kid to talk to colleges, I, I would be just as upset. That, to me, that's... I don't like that. You can let me know on Twitter at TPS underscore Guy. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that policy or do you agree with me that that's junk? Liam Gilmartin uh, seems like a good player. He had really big offensive numbers at Shattuck, uh, but uh, according to him, had to take on a different role with the program. His offensive numbers weren't nearly as impressive the last two years as they were at Shattuck, uh, but we'll see. He goes to London. He'll be you know, an 18, 19-year-old player next year. And you would have to think that he would get a, a a bigger offensive role, top six player, that sort of thing, uh, with the London Knights. And uh, the Hunters know how to develop players. We'll see where he goes in the draft. He is currently ranked 126th in North America by NHL Central Scouting. That may have been before the news of his uh, signing, though, with the London Knights. I'm not sure the timing of that. All right, we've got one more guest segment to go, and that is another 2021 draft spotlight. This time uh, we're going back to another Canadian who uh, just came home from Texas with a gold medal. But he plays in the States. He's a member of the Seattle Thunderbirds. His name 
is Connor Roulette. We'll spin the wheel and chat with him next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back outside, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbird, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Troubled Monk Brew of the Week. Hey, it's one of my personal favorites, but tell the people about it. The Vacation Mexican Lager. When the chores are done, the lawn is mowed or the sidewalk shoveled. This Mexican Lager is perfect for floating on fresh powder or floating down the river. Vacation Lager is a little getaway every day. Player comparable, Sidney Crosby can do it all and is always in the conversation of the very best. Troubled Monk, visit the tap room in Red Deer or get free same-day home delivery in Alberta by placing an order at TroubledMonk.com. Troubled Monk, craft beverages worth sharing. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Oh, that's greasy. That's really greasy. Yeah, that's greasy. Final segment of this week's episode of the Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Turkey, the best beef turkey in all of Alberta. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada, but you got to get it right from Wilhock. You can call them in either Spruce Grove or Leduc, Alberta, and they'll ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. Uh, my guest this week is also coming to us uh, from Western Canada. That would be Connor Roulette, who is in Winnipeg, but he plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds. Welcome to the program, Connor. Uh, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, taking the time in the off season like this, and with the draft right around the corner, I'm wondering what your mood is like right now. Are you starting to get excited, nervous, a little bit of both? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Um, you know, it's obviously it's it's, it's really exciting. It's going to be you know probably the best time for all draft eligible you know players in this world that are you know it's going to be a good good day for everyone and. Uh, you know, I was really looking forward to it, and there's a little bit of nerves, but at the same time, uh, you know, really confident in, you know, myself, and also just, uh, you know, just really, really looking forward to just where we all end up, and, um, you know, hoping, uh, hoping it's a good day. I was talking to a lot of players here over the last, uh, well, all season, basically, but how weird a year it has been with, you know, obviously a delay, very delayed start for the WHL. Some leagues didn't play at all. Other leagues got to play a little bit more than others, and uh, some guys went over to Europe. Uh, lots of you know stops and starts for some leagues, and and then you got to play you know at twenty. Oh, you only played eleven games of Seattle, but then you get to go down and, and represent Canada and come back with a gold medal from the World U18. Very strange season. Um, how, how when you look back at it, what kind of stands out for you, good and bad? Yeah, um, it was definitely definitely a weird weird uh, setup for this. You know the way the season went. Um, it was getting shut down last year. We were waiting for about two to three months on if there was going to be a, a resume or not, or if we were going to get going. And um, it was just it was just a roller coaster of different things. And um, you know, we get the season going, and you know, the, I think the thing that stands out that was bad is just you know we have every every I guess province gets their restrictions and their lockdowns and stuff like that. And unfortunately, Manitoba was got 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 hit pretty bad, got it the worst, and. Going into a season like that where you're not able to 
be on the ice for a certain amount of time. It was pretty tough and, uh, but, you know, making the best of it, uh, you know, it was good to be back with all the guys again and have fun at the rink. Uh, something I was really looking forward to for the whole, the whole summer going into that. And, um, you know, the big stand and obviously the gold medal is an unreal experience. It's just a great time, uh, you know, to represent Canada and to be on a team that you know, hasn't won since 2013 and to be on a team with all those great guys. It's, uh, it was a great experience and, uh, really something I'll, I'll look back to in the future and uh, have a lot of, you know, pride to, you know, be a part of that team. I know there would be some people who said, you know, okay, so you got into 11 games in Seattle. Why, why bother? Why take the risk of having, you know, within a global pandemic, what, how good is 11 games from your perspective? And I know the, you know, how important it is for some players to have that exposure to the league and development and the 20 year olds to finish off their career on the ice and, instead of what happened last year uh, for some of the overage guys. Mm-hmm. But from, from your perspective in terms of development and just exposure, how important was it to that the WHL actually did play? Yeah, well, I mean, like just any any hockey is important, really. Like, um, you know, even if it was just a one game, right? Like anytime where we can just get out there and play our hockey and, you know, be at our best that we can be, it's, uh, it's really important. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's part of our lives, you know, it's, it's when you don't get to do it for that long, it, it starts to, you know, tear you down a bit. And, you know, I think a lot of, uh, a lot of hockey players felt that it, when you go that long without playing game, it's, uh, it's pretty tough for your mental health and what you used to play your whole life. Um, and for young guys to play uh, hockey and get those games and, you know, um, you know, the guys on my team happy enough to play a longer season and me and Mel got the, the 11 games in and, um, it was it was just awesome because you know you go there and you're happy to be at the rink every day and you finally get that season. So very important game. You know we took we made the best of it. Um, there was no playoffs or nothing like that, but I mean we put everything we left everything all on the ice. So the those games. We're really battling a bad cell phone connection right now, man. I heard probably half of what you said there. Uh, Connor Roulette is my guest here on the Pipeline Show in the 2021 Draft Spotlight segment. Um, Connor, what we'll do. Uh, for the benefit of maybe some casual NHL fans that don't watch junior or college hockey or anything like that, but maybe you just got drafted by their favorite team, so they're going back into the archives and trying to find as much information about players as possible. Let's get some background. Uh, where are you from? We we mentioned you're from Winnipeg. Born and raised? Yep. Yeah, born and raised. I uh, lived in the uh, north end side of Winnipeg my whole life. Uh, how old were you when you first started playing? Do you remember? Yeah, I was probably about, like, I probably started skating when I was about, just about to turn five throughout five and then I started playing um you know just at a very young age I was probably starting to learn at skate at five and started playing about six or even at the end of the age of five so playing for a while okay have you always been a forward or did you ever uh, spend some time on the blue line or heck even have to throw the pads on yeah, yeah I started uh I started off as a forward um I I always loved being goalie and um I think when I was probably about nine or ten, um, I played goalie in a few. Uh, I played goalie a few times, and I, I I was so close. I wanted to switch so bad for some reason. I just loved being goalie, and um, I always found something about just the uh, you know the the pads and all that stuff was so so uh, fascinating. So yeah, I was I was really close to being goalie, but I chose to be player. Well, it seems to have worked out pretty well for you. But what was uh, eventually the deciding factor? Why you you didn't want to continue trying to be a goalie? <laughs> I was very bad at it. <laughs> uh, I wasn't. 
I wasn't quite the best goalie. My dad really loved me being a player, and he always, uh, you know, uh, some people would say, like, oh, he's a, he's a pretty good goalie or whatever. And, I, and my dad would be like, well, you should see him as a player. So I kind of just stuck to the player because my uh, I wasn't really good at goalie. <laughs> well, like I said, that's worked out for you for sure. Um, take me back to yeah. the Bantam draft, uh, a second-round pick by the Seattle Thunderbirds. So you had to wait through, sit, wait through the, uh, the first round. Uh, I know some of the guys that I've chatted with this year were in Philadelphia um, during the Bantam draft. Um, other guys were at school or watching from home or something like that. Mm-hmm. What was your draft day like for the Bantam draft? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was in the morning. So, um, yeah, I was, I was home in Winnipeg here and it was in the morning and I had school that day, but um, my first two classes that day were, uh, gym and English. And, uh, my uncle is actually my English teacher. So, um, so I, I called into gym, uh, the gym teacher, he know he knew me well. He's, close with our family and all that and I told him what was going on and then my uncle he said he wasn't going to let me come to class because um you know just of the draft and all that so um yeah I was at my grandma's house just down the road from my high school watching the draft uh most of my family was there and um yeah really really happy and grateful to be chosen by the Thunderbirds I kind of knew a lot about the the organization prior to the draft just through friends and um you know all the people that had been through that organization and um they were just coming off the uh, the WHL championship so yeah great team and I was really happy to be there and um, after the draft I just went to school and told all my uh, all my buddies at school there that, uh, that were playing hockey in the gym when I got there because it was around lunchtime so um, it was just a great day overall because you know you get drafted to a, a WHL team and then you go to school and play some floor hockey. <laughs> That's a great way to celebrate for sure. Now being uh, you're in Winnipeg, Seattle drafts you geographically. You can't get get much further apart than that. So you're moving away at a pretty young age uh, to go play not just for a team far away, but out of the country even. Um, how did yeah. that make you feel? I mean, that's that's got to be tough. Yeah, it was it was a little tough just on you know moving away. But you know, even if it was Brandon, I'm, I'm still a little ways from home and. Um, you know, it wasn't going to matter which team it was. I was still moving away from home, and um, I was really prepared for that just at a young age, like, you know, prior to that Bantam season and the Bantam draft. It's 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 your goal. Like, it's your dream to be, you know, selected to the WHL. You're talking to all these teams, and, um, you know, when that team when that team finally calls your name, it's you're ready and you're prepared to go. So I was, I was prepared from the start, no matter what team it was going to be. And, um, you know, I just wanted to make the best of it, and uh, I went there, and, um, it was a little far from home, but once you're there, you know, the, the coaching staff and the players made you feel at home. So it really, it really did well. Obviously, there's some buzz and excitement in, in the Pacific Northwest with the Seattle Kraken arriving uh, next year. Um, did you feel that at the at the WHL level or just, uh, you know, around town? Is there a growing excitement for hockey? Yeah, it's it's awesome. Like, even just being there, right? Like, you, when you get an off day, you want to watch the Mariners play or the, the Seattle Seahawks. And, um, you know, the city of Seattle has such a great fan base with their sports and, um, you know, a lot of loyal and dedicated fans. And that's kind of what we feel with us as well. Like um, the Seattle Thunder, Thunderbird fans, a lot of, you know, um, people who come and watch, family and friends, and, you know, the fans there. It's, um, even teams that play against us, only playing against us because their fans are always so engaged and they're loud. And it's, just, um, it's just it's a great uh, sports team. So to get an NHL team, uh, the hype is really... Uh, it's big there, and you know, being a player on the WHL team, uh, you know, we might get an off day someday, and the Kraken might be playing, so it might be nice to go uh, check out a game or so. So it's 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 obviously a lot of a lot of hype around it, and we're all looking really excited for it because um, you know, there's an NHL team just down the road, uh, 
I do hope we can go watch a game one day. 39 points in your rookie season. 19 of those were goals in uh, 54 games because the season got cut short. How would you feel about that uh, that rookie campaign with the with the T-Birds? Yeah, it was uh, it was good. Like just by my whole hockey career, I've always been a like kind of goal scorer guy who loved to score and make plays and just be an offensive, an offensively more reliable offensive guy. And um, going into that 16 year old season, I uh, you know I wasn't quite setting those high high expectations for myself. I just wanted to go there and crack the team and um, you know just be a be a T-Bird and um, you know, once the season got going, I think, uh, you know, I kind of found my, I got a little comfortable. I found, I found where I was supposed to be playing and I kind of understood my game and, um, I found my strengths and I kind of put that onto the ice and, uh, left it all there. Uh, so I, I thought, I thought it was good. Um, I was really happy with the way it all turned out. And, you know, thankfully I was, you know, really good for the opportunity that I was able to score those, those goals and, um, get that, get those stats, but, at the same time it's just as a learning experience uh, you know to be to be there as a 16 year old with all those older guys there's a lot of great um, mentors and role models that helped me along the way now you go back this year and uh, i mean you're still a young guy but now you're a vet for the team and a guy that's going to be counted on a lot you were one of the leading scorers on the club as a rookie so uh, this year 12 points in the 11 games that you were there for uh, how'd you feel about you know the very very short second season yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was fun. Like you know, like I said, when you go there after such a long summer of you know this roller coaster of ups and downs, it's uh, when you get to go there and see all your brothers again and you know see the team. It's it's an unreal feeling. We were just there was one thing we were missing, and that was just the fans. Um, we had everything we ever wanted. It was that hockey again, and just to see everyone. So it was a good experience, and you know um, the team. The team had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun in those that short time, and I'm um, really looking forward to the next season because. You know, we won't be losing much guys, and, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I'm losing one of my best friends on the team, Kelsey Jerry Leon. Um, he's moving on. So mm-hmm. um, it's a little tough because, you know, you see, you see these guys leave, but at the same time, there isn't that much leaving this year. So it's going to be a really close group next year, and we're going to be a good young team. So I'm um, really looking forward to that and just uh, happy with the way everything's kind of going out for us right now. No Ivan Holinka tournament last summer, but you did get to play in the U18 this year. And uh, what a, I mean, that was just a, a fantastic uh, uh, roster that Canada was able to put together mm-hmm. this year as everybody was available except for a, a couple of players out of the queue. But um, to come home with a gold medal, you had five points in that seven-game uh, tournament for yourself. Uh, to be on the team is one thing, and then to be productive as well, you got to be pretty happy with things. Yeah, it was a, it was a fun tournament. Uh, you know, just the names on that team, like you can talk about every single guy on that team and you know, there's something, there's something really good about them. Bedard and Shane, right? Like all these, all these great names. You know, people making history. It's, it was such an awesome experience just to be in that dressing room and to be around those guys. It's, uh, it was really fun and just like, you know, everything, everything's a learning step. And that was one of the biggest ones I've had um, to come home with a gold medal. My family and everyone was super proud. It was, um, you know, a big smile on my face here talking about it. It's, uh, it was a good, it was a good time. And um, yeah, it felt really good to to be there and you know to have that those good mentors and those role models that you know inspire me they're all the same age as me but they you know they inspire me to you know keep playing and to, you know play hard as like like them so yeah it was a good time i chatted with uh, brennan othman earlier today and uh, he said he knew you i was chatting with you this afternoon he said to make sure i say hello <laughs> who'd you play with uh, for the most part uh, down in texas uh, i played with uh brett harrison and ryan winterton a bit we were uh 
you know, we, we were playing more of that energy role and to, you know, get the puck in deep and, you know, hem the, hem the opposition in the, their zone, um, you know, on the penalty kill. So I played with uh, Harrison and Winterton have been, uh, we found some good chemistry, good guys and good players. Okay. You mentioned uh, Shane Wright and Connor Bedard and just phenomenal young players. But, you know, is there a uh, jokingly when I say this, but is there a part of you that's like, hey, this is our season to be in the spotlight. You guys can wait till next year. <laughs> yeah, that's, that was kind of the joke. Uh, you know, with Bedard, we kind of gave him a hard time. We just he's such a young guy and, um, you know, calling him a rookie and stuff like that. But, you know, <laughs> just the way he plays, the way he plays, he plays like he's four years older than us guys. Like he, you know, he just his hockey smarts, his strength, like his strong. Like he just he was probably the best player in that tournament. Just the way he, you know, represents himself and the way he was at that tournament, uh, lining it up as, as two years younger than everyone else. So, um, he he's gonna, you know, he's gonna be a phenomenal NHL player, and um, it's only a matter of time before you see him breaking all these these records. Because I think, uh, you know, playing with him and seeing him up close, he's got the potential to, you know, I don't wanna don't wanna, you know. Jinx it, but he, he's going to be he's going to be a great NHL player for sure. Connor Roulette is my guest, forward with the Seattle Thunderbirds out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, let's talk about the draft, Connor, and uh, Central Scouting's rankings came out uh, earlier, and uh, they've got you pegged at uh, number 36 in North America, so somewhere in the second round. I don't know if the rankings matter to you or not. I ask a lot of the players how they feel about the rankings. Some guys say they try not to look at that stuff at all because it could be a distraction, but other guys want to know where they're ranked and they use that as motivation what about for you yeah i think uh it's a little bit of a motivation thing uh you know it's it's awesome to see you kind of rank against you know against the greatest players at your age in the world so um you know i don't i don't look into it too much because you know there's a lot of players that can go wherever they want like you know wherever team whatever team's looking for them and whatever um how good you are and all that so i'm confident in myself that it's going to be a it's going to be a good day and um, you know, I'm just, I'm not really focused on it too much. I'm just, uh, you know, really looking forward to the day itself, not quite the, uh, the rankings or stuff like that. So, um, it's obviously, but just seeing your name with all those, uh, phenomenal players, it's, uh, it's a little bit of a confidence booster and you kind of got to reflect on that a bit. So, um, you know, it's a bit of a mixed emotions. I should ask you for a self-scouting report. I'm curious because your production last year was split almost e- perfectly even between goals and assists. And this year in Seattle, it was six of each. Uh, and even with uh, with Canada, it was uh, split evenly. Do you see yourself more as a shooter or a setup guy? Uh, I probably see myself a little bit of both. Um, you know, just uh, I like I like to say I have good hockey IQ. I can, you know, if, if there's a shot, if I have a shot, I can shoot. But um, you know, I've always been more of a, a pass first type guy. I'd say, um, you know, if the shots there, I never miss up a shot. But you know, I like to set up guys and. Um, you know, get open and find guys in the slot and stuff like that. So uh, I say I have a little bit of both. I, you know, I've always, uh, you know, you look at the, you know, my stats throughout the past few years, I've always had kind of even with uh, my goals and assists. So I've never been more of a assist guy or a goals guy. I've always kind of been uh, even with both. The WHL website list, you had 5'11", 180, but uh, that might have been at the start of the year or something. What are you at now? Um, I'm almost the exact same. <laughs> Uh, still, still five eleven one eighty. Okay, uh, being a Winnipeg guy, does that make automatically make you a Jets fan, or were you cheering for somebody else? Yeah, I, my whole life I've been a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Uh, my whole family has loved them since I was since I as long as I can remember. And once we got the Jets back here in two thousand eleven, they're they're my second team. Just you know, having a hometown team right right down the street, it's uh it's awesome to go watch them once in a while. And we have all these great players. Uh, 
you know, Blake Wheeler has been here quite a while. So, um, you know, watching him kind of develop and grow into our captain and having all these guys go through the, the organization, it was good to see them all up close. And um, yeah, for sure, uh, the Penguins and Jets were my, my top two teams growing up. Funny, Othman said it was the Penguins for him too. I guess it's just the the age you guys are, the Penguins were always really, really good. And of course, Sidney Crosby yeah. such a draw, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, I remember just being a young kid. Uh, my brother was a huge Penguins fan, like just for as long as I can remember. I think I was five years old or whatever when I first started playing hockey. My brother got this uh, Sidney Crosby. It was like a it was like that cream, like the Penguins cream, like that color there. It was like right. a tooth that color with the with the uh, Penguins '87 on it. And um, I, I think I wore that hat up until I was about 10 years old. Um, got it, got it. As for you know, my brother was a big fan, and I was probably when I was about five or so, and I wore that for a few years, and it was probably my favorite hat. Uh, so yeah, it's, for as long as I can remember, I've always been a Crosby and Penguins fan. Nice. Uh, one brother, or you, or do you have a big family? Yeah, just uh, just the one brother, and yeah, it's kind of kind of a short family, but we're all, um, you know, really tight and close. Older or younger? Uh, he's older. He's uh, he's in '97, so he's six years older than me. Okay, yeah, I have an older brother too. So, uh, and just the two of us. And I was always just wanting to do whatever he was doing when I was little. Much the yeah. same for you. Yeah, basically. Did... Uh, he was. He's always been my hero and my guy I looked up to. So he's always, as always, whatever he did, I did. Nice. Well, listen, Connor, I really appreciate your time. This was fun. Uh, best of luck, whatever happens to the draft. And uh, I, I don't know. Do you know what next year if if the T-Birds come to Edmonton? I don't know if there's a schedule uh, set or anything like that. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think there's a schedule right now. Um, you know, this year, this year was supposed to be our uh, Eastern swing. So um, I think Edmonton was supposed to come to us this year. So if if it's still, if they keep the same, then we possibly might not be. But if, uh, if it if it goes into how it's supposed to be, we we will be going Edmonton this year. Yeah, heck, let's just hope there is a, a back to normal type of season, and uh, we'll yeah. we'll let the schedule play itself out. Uh, Connor, I appreciate your time, man. This was fun. All right, thank you. There is Connor Roulette of the Seattle Thunderbirds, a Winnipeg product, and uh, looked really good in his rookie season. Looked good again this year. Just eleven games, but um, more than a point per game player there, and. Uh, Played the role for Canada. Obviously, that was a super, super deep team. Uh, the roster that Canada took down to the World U18. And uh, sometimes, you know, a guy on his club team might be a top-line player. But that's not always the case when you get to a national team. And I think that's fair to say with Connor Roulette. But played the role and uh, still came away with uh, a bunch of points as well. So that's a player of interest for me. Uh, probably going to go in the second round, I would think. I don't think he's a first-round guy. But, um, you know, they had nothing wrong with that. A lot of second-round players that go on to have uh, an NHL career. Connor was my final guest for this week, which means it's cleanup time. And a reminder, if you haven't got a bidet yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Go to hellotushy.com slash pipeline, and you get an automatic 10% off just for using that. And if you are one of the uh, growing number who have tried a bidet and you don't have one yet, I don't honestly, what are you waiting for? You order it, you get it shipped to you. It's like a 10, 15-minute job to put it on to your toilet and it's uh it's fantastic stop wiping start washing your butt with a bidet from tushy next week on the pipeline show more of the same as the uh, draft gets ever closer we'll definitely be keeping an eye on the uh the players who are eligible we'll talk to the scouts as well who can uh, share their insight and information on all the players Uh, so uh, looking forward to that Uh, next week Uh, reminder if you get your copy of the pipeline show from a an outlet where you can leave a rating or a ranking, then please do so, as what you uh, leave there will encourage others 
to give the show a try. And uh, this time of year, everybody's looking for information on prospects. And if you're a listener of the show, you know uh, I'm talking to draft-eligible players all season long. So if you value what uh, the show does and the content that I have, uh, please leave a, a ranking or a rating and uh, some comments as well. That would be fantastic. And if you are a patron, then thank you for that. Uh, your ongoing support means a lot. And if you're not a patron yet, but you do value what the show is, uh, then maybe give it a give it a look and see. Patreon.com slash The Pipeline Show. And with that, I am out of here. Until next week, everybody, my name is Keith Flaming. This has been The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. I'll talk to you next week. See ya.